Well, hello, Celebration Church family and friends. Thank you so much for watching and engaging with us. But it does not replace you being here. So first and foremost, I want to let you know that I miss you. Our team misses you guys. We miss seeing your faces, the hugs, the handshakes, the coffee at the end of the service, even though, you know, I don't drink coffee. I'm a chocolate milk guy. But um, just thank you so much for watching. And as we always do, we want you to stand right now. We're going to continue to read God's word together. We're going to stand and have a public reading of scripture, okay? So let's stand wherever you are and uh, let's, let's read this together as a church. Here we are. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Jesus, we adore you. Holy Spirit, we desperately need you. In Christ's name, amen, amen, amen. What we read together is a great reminder of how powerful God's love really is. It's a great reminder for us that his love can encourage us and sustain us because his love is always with us, always with us. There's power in proximity. And the four words that stands out to me as I read this text that Paul wrote is, for I am sure. Say that with me, ready? For I am sure. For I am sure. What Paul wrote here speaks to the certainty of this reality of nothing coming between him and the love of the Father. In these uncertain times, hard times for many of us, I am praying that we would know and that we would meditate on the word, on the love of God, that we will be certain of these things. A lot of things have changed. A lot of things is a new norm for a lot of us, but let's be encouraged that the word of God is not bound, that the spirit of God is not bound during these times, but we can focus on what Paul wrote here in Romans chapter eight. And tonight my hope is that as we focus our attention to the scriptures and examine a prayer here in Ephesians, we would be encouraged and equipped to live with God and for God. So if you have your Bibles, and I hope that you do, please turn to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, we're going to look at this pastoral prayer that some would call it, that Paul prays over the church in Ephesus. And my prayers that will encourage you, equip you, and that we will have a good time tonight as we look at God's word. Ephesians chapter 1, and we're going to begin in verse 18. Ephesians 1 beginning with verse 18. This is God's word, and it says, Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might. So here's the question. How does one come to know this hope? How does one, as Paul said back in Romans 8, for I am sure of these things, like how does one come to know this hope? How can the eyes of our hearts be enlightened, right? There must be something like supernatural, this plays on words. Our, our, our hearts don't have eyes, right? So what is Paul getting at? How can we come to know, experience, and know for sure this hope to which God has called us? Well, we have to jump up to verse 16. He says this, 
I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. All right. So you see that, right? How does, how, how does one come to know this hope? Well, God the Father gives us his spirit, which enables and empowers believers to know him. Right? So let's put this together. To have and to know this hope, we must know God. Right? To have and to know this hope, we must know him. How does one come to know this? How, is this something that we must do? Is something that we must manufacture? No, no, no. It's something actually greater. The gospel reminds us that God has done it all. And not only has he done that in his son, he gives us his spirit, which enables us to know him. We serve a God who wants to be known. We serve a God who is deep, who deeply desires for us to know him more than we desire to know him. Our God is so generous that he even provides more of himself. What does he do? We just read in the text, he provides his spirit, which helps us come to know, right? Re reveals the spirit of revelation and wisdom, reveals who God is to us. You're gonna see this on your screen, this is huge. It takes God to know God, all right? Let's be interactive, say this with me. It takes God to know God. We need God's help to know him. We can't know this hope if we don't know this God. And, but this is the beautiful thing about God. He is so generous with who he is that he gives us everything we need to know him, to know him. As a matter of fact, what I would like us to do right now, whether you're watching at home or whoever you're watching with, let's stop and pray together that God would do exactly that that he would be generous with us again as we continue in his word to know him and to love him. So as I pray, don't just watch, pray with me, pray with those that maybe you're watching with, or if you're watching alone, think of those, um, maybe ask God to put people in your mind as we pray this prayer. Let's pray together. Father, we, we do love you. And we know that because you first loved us. Thank you for loving us first. Thank you for sending your son Jesus, thank you for what he's demonstrated on the cross, how powerful your love is. Father, we want to know you. We want to know you more. We ask you that you would give us your spirit, that Holy Spirit, you would continue to reveal the heart, the character, the nature of God. We need your help. Father, you said if any of us lack wisdom to ask you. And so we come together right now with our family, with our friends, and we ask you to help us know you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now, knowing that it takes God to know God and to love God, the question becomes this, well, who is this God that we're speaking of, right? Who is this God and, and, and what is he like? What does he do? And we're going to continue Ephesians. Ephesians 1 verse 3 says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. This is what makes God like worthy of worship, right? He's worthy of our praise. And one way we experience his greatness is seen by his generosity. Simply put, God blesses people 
God blesses people. You can't get too far in the Bible. If you open up to Genesis, you even see this is a God who desires to give. We can't outgive him. This is a, a God who desires to bless his people. He does that. But it gets even better. Verse 4. Even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. So not only is this God, we're talking about God, the Father, Son, Spirit. We're talking about the God of the Holy Bible, of the scriptures, which blesses people. He also, he's intentional, right? He chose us. He created us on purpose with a purpose, and since he is holy, meaning this, there's no one like him. The only thing you can compare God to is God. God is like God. He stands in, in, in a category all by himself. Well, since he is holy and who he is, it speaks to our calling. Since there's no one like him, he's separate from all things. In him, we have been given the power to live holy, to be separate from the world. Now, he does all things well. The Bible says he does all that pleases him. And this is good news for us because in the next verse, in verse 5, it says, In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. This is huge. I want you to get this. We don't have to be afraid of an impersonal God of some being or some power, some source that's out there somewhere, but does not have love, does not have grace, does not have compassion towards creation. He loves, as a matter of fact, the scripture teaches us that God is love, that God is love. His love is more than an attribute or action. He is the definition of what love is. And he loved us so much that he chose us to be a part of his family to be his child, his son, his daughter, long before we ever knew him or confessed him as father. The timing of that is huge. Why? Because if we chose him, we receive credit from that. We receive glory. Man, but if he chose us and that while we're still sinners, Christ died for us, for you and I, then man, salvation is a glorious work for him. And him alone, to him, and him alone. Hear me, family. God is sovereign and God is good. Sovereign and good. It's coming up on your screen. I want you to say it. Sovereign and good. God is both sovereign and good. And for us to fully trust God, we must see that he is perfect in his sovereignty, but we also must see that he's perfect in his goodness, right? that they go together. And here's why. Let me give you a couple of examples. Well, if God was sovereign in control of all things, but not good, we couldn't trust him to take care of us, love us, or even be mindful of us. Think about that. So if God was sovereign, right? And, and, and some of us, we get that just naturally. Well, if there is a God to be God, he must be in control. Yes, no matter what we see going on, it's for him to be God, all-powerful, all-knowing, well, he must be sovereign. But if he's not good, do you want to trust someone who's all-powerful but not good? We couldn't trust him. How could he take care of us? How could he bless us? How could he be a good father to us if he's not good? But on the other hand, if God was good but not sovereign, we couldn't trust him to protect us or even be powerful enough to help us in our time of need, right? 
So if, 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 if the God that, that, that you've heard of or maybe heard preachers just like the Santa in the sky, just a good dude, no, no, but not all powerful, not, not sovereign, not actually in control of every detail that's happening in the world. Well, even if he intervened for you, what could he actually do? But praise God that our father is both good and sovereign. He is sovereign and he is good. Let's keep reading Ephesians 1 verse 6. Again, he's going to be glorified to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. Verse 7, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. God's love, what is it? Man, it's huge, right? Nothing can separate us from the love of God. That's what we read. But man, his love is violent, violent. Let me explain. This God, our Father, gives us his son, Jesus, who willingly sheds his blood so that we can be forgiven and set free from all sin, all sin. This grace, this wonderful gift was given to us in abundance, abundance, so much so that what word does the scripture use to, to describe God's generosity here in Ephesians 1? He lavished, right? It's an abundance. He poured it out on us. Thank God for his grace. Thank God for how generous he is. Verse 9, let's keep going. Verse 9, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Again, God, we have a God who wants us to know him, to know what he is up to. Isn't it great that he actually shares his plans with us? to be included in the cosmic work, right, of him bringing all things back to himself, creating all things, making all things new. He's not hiding his will from us. He actually wants us to be involved in that. But wait, there's more. We actually have an inheritance. Let's read Ephesians 1 verse 11. Keep reading. In him we have attained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. We have an inheritance. We actually have a reward. Now listen, uh, especially right now, it's easy as I look on Twitter and different social media platforms like, hey, you don't know that Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. But the great thing about the Bible is, is that we have more, right? That God didn't stop at his son, that he's actually given us more, right? An inheritance, what is that? It's something of value, like property passing at the owner's death to the heir or those entitled to keep it, right? So keep this in mind as we continue to read what Paul is praying to this church. Verse 12, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, verse 14, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Do you see it? Do you see it? You and I have an inheritance because the owner, the creator of all things, Jesus the Christ, died in our place. We have believed in him. This gospel has saved us. And now the Holy Spirit dwells within us and seals us. 
That's insane. And this isn't wishful thinking. It's a guarantee. It's a guarantee. There's a lot of things that are not guaranteed right now. Right? All of us are, 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 hopefully most of us, are trying to adjust to social distancing and, and, and trying to live within this new norm. But the Bible gives us some guarantees, some rewards that, that we're going to have that is guaranteed. Here's the thing about the reward. I have to stop here. Here's the thing about the reward. Think about it. If it's God who works in us, both to will and to do according to his good pleasure, meaning if it's the Holy Spirit, as we read, who empowers us to live for him, to know him, and to love him, why would God choose to reward us? Think about that. One day, you and I are going to be rewarded for things that God did in and through us. How generous is that? One day, he's going to look to us, and because of the blood of Christ, because we are clothed in Christ's righteousness, he's going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant, even though many of us, if we're honest, we haven't done well, have we? But because of the cross, because Jesus says it is finished, because our lives are now hidden in Christ, we're going to be rewarded. God is going to hook you up for things that you shouldn't get any credit for for things I shouldn't get any credit for. And it's guaranteed. It's guaranteed. Now I've spent time bragging on God, but I don't want you to miss this. If these things are true about God, who he is and what he does, there are some glorious, glorious things that are true about you. Yes, some glorious things that are true about you. Our identity is in him, so let's speak to that, right? Who he is and what he has done de determines who we are. Who God is and what God has done determines who we really are. And according to Ephesians chapter 1, every believer should have hope because you are these things. Did you hear it? Blessed, you are blessed, chosen, loved, adopted, redeemed, forgiven, rewarded, and sealed. And sealed. Hey, read this with me. Ready? We are blessed, chosen, loved, adopted, redeemed, forgiven, rewarded, and sealed. Sealed. Because of what God has done, all those things are true of us for his glory. And this is what I want to draw our attention to. This is what I want us to draw our uh, affections to because the Bible teaches us to seek those things that are above. Listen, heaven and earth will pass away. He promised that to us. He promised us in this life we will have many troubles. He promised us that we will go through trials and all these things. But I don't want the, the virus or all these things to come into our mind and be our number one focus. Be the only thing we talk about. This isn't a virus message. This is a gospel message. All these things are true of us in Christ. In Christ. So what is hope? What is hope? As we read earlier, it says we've been called to this hope. And we know that it takes God for us to know him and to have this hope, to have this peace, to have the things that we have in Christ. So what is hope? Well, here's my definition of hope. Here we go. Hope, the divine expectation of what will happen based on who God is and what he has promised. Let me say that again. Hope is the divine expectation of what will happen based on who God is and what he has promised. In this 
time, some of us have a little bit more free time for us to have our hope and for God to be our hope. We have to know who he is and what he has promised. This is so crucial for us to know what God has actually promised us through his word. It's it's so easy for us to go to the Bible and and pick out verses and take them out of context. What has God actually promised believers for today that your your soul, your, your spirit can find hope in, rest in? We have to have that. I love how um, one author puts it. I was reading um, this week and studying, and one author says like, uh, that our hearts and our souls, they're pretty much restless until we find him, until we rest in him. So here's the key. What if, what if, again, what if God is just stripping away everything we call church, how we do church, so that we can again put our hope in him? our identity fully in him. What if, again, we supposed to bring our endless need before his endless supply? That's the hope that we have in Christ, in Christ. Paul, again, prayed for this church, which is beautiful. Let me just read this for us again. He says, having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is this hope, the hope to which he has called you. Here's the thing about this hope. Again, it's not something that you have to work for. It's not something you have to aspire to. You've been created and called for it. And my prayer for us as a church, as a church family, is that the eyes of our hearts would be enlightened. Well, how? Well, God will give us his spirit to reveal who he really is. And as we see him for who he really is, we can trust him with who we are, right? You've heard me say it before, Celebration Church, and I'll say it again. If you want God to be real to you, okay, you must make yourself real. You must bring your real self to him. It's so easy right now to look at the news. It's so easy right now to put God in the courtroom for all the bad things that are taking place. But let's not do that. He's still good. He's still loving. He's still kind. He's still generous. Yes, he's just. Yes, he's holy. All those things are not, are not uh, against one another. He's one. He's complete. But do you actually believe that he is real? Or are you struggling with bringing your real self to him? So hope, what could it look like as you pray? Well, I, I want families to, to pray real prayers. Pray what's on your heart. Pray what's in your mind, right? You can't get it wrong. Pray crazy prayers. Pray just prayers that may seem all over the place like the psalmist, but hear me, let God sort it out. Hope isn't this false humility or even false arrogance in who we are and, and, and what we can do. No, it's coming to God and saying this, God, I don't know what's going on right now. I need your help. God, I don't know how to talk to my six-year-old. This is me. This is my prayer. God, how do I explain to my six-year-old daughter that she can't go to school? All right? Let me tell you how that went. Um, It will be great for me if I told you I prayed a lot before that. I didn't. I said I can just wing it. I'm used to it, right? So this is what happens. Right before the kids go to bed, I have my six-year-old and I have my three-year-old. And I said, hey, Willow, that's my daughter's name. I said, Willow, let, let me talk to you. Um, you know how we wouldn't be able to get to see your grandma's Gigi and Gaga and all these things are going on and people get sick? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, because of that, and this is really how it went. I said, um, you can't go to school anymore. 
right? Not really that compassionate, didn't, didn't really have the right words for it. And my daughter just stopped and she just began to cry and cry because she's a social butterfly. A lot of you know Willow. So it's like, what happened? Why can't I see them? And it hit me. I was like, I really don't know what I'm doing right now, <laughs> right? As a parent, I, I feel inadequate right now in many ways as I'm spending more time with them. And me trying to explain what a virus is to a six-year-old and a three-year-old and why they can't interact with their friends and their families who they love. So this is what we did. After I explained it, I got a little bit better. We just took some time and we prayed. And we prayed real prayers. What do I mean by that? I just prayed, hey, God, help us. Father, we need you. God, heal our land. Keep us safe. God, help, help my daughter grieve in a healthy way as she's going to be missing friends and family. I don't know what you've been hoping for. I don't know what you've been looking to. But my prayer is that as you this week continue to go back and read Ephesians 1, that you would see that God is who he says he is, that God has done what he said he's going to do, and that because of that, your identity is in Christ. You are who he say you are. I pray that you would become more like him as you behold him. We've been talking about that, right? That we become who we behold. I, I pray that as you see God, as you spend time with him, I pray as you open up your word and you study it, I, I pray that some of you are even fasting right now during this time. I pray that in your pursuit of him, that you use these means of grace, these spiritual disciplines, and that the spirit of God will take that and honor that, but do something more than what you're doing, that he would give you a, the spirit of revelation and of wisdom of God, and you will walk away with the surety of the hope that we have in Christ, in Christ. But what about the meantime, Tim, between now and, 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 and where we want to be? What, what do we do in the meantime as we stream and watch online and we can't gather where we used to? Well, there's a prayer that we pray at the end of every service that helps us not only express our dependency to him, but believing that he's going to do what he says he's going to do. So so I want you to do as you stood before for the word, I want you to stand right now and we're going to pray this prayer together, okay? It will come up on your screen. Let's pray it together as a family. Stand and let's pray. It's going to be a beautiful prayer. If you want, take a screenshot of this. We can send it to you. We can post it on Facebook um, so that you can pray these things even as a family, even if you live by yourself and you just need something to just kind of remind you of these things. Here's our closing prayer. Pray with me. Father, what we know not, teach us. What we have not, please give us. What we are not, please make us. For your glory, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen.